Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host Jay Chima with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Puma. Welcome in, brother man. Podcast 127 of the NFL just does not stop with this news, does it? No, it doesn't stop. It does not stop. I mean, we got our second head coach fired. We have, you know, Jim Ursay doing Jim Ursay things. But beyond that, you know, life is good. I'm looking forward to another fun, fulfilled, and wild week ahead that we have on store for us. Uh, happy Election Day for those of you people that do this. Uh, hopefully, you guys fulfilled your civic duty and went out and voted today. I know, Jay Chima, you and your family did. I kind of did the... Goddamn uh, right, abu- buddy. I did the bugle horn this morning. A direct quote, I was like, listen, this is my only PSA for today. Get out and vote. All of you guys sent me the pictures of the voting stickers. I'm proud of y'all. Let's go. Hell yeah, brother. I mean, there are the one thing that we take for granted in this country is the fact that, you know, our voices matter. Um, a lot of people around the world don't have their voices be heard or matter in, in that fact. Um, so, you know, it's our civic duty. We should go out there. Uh, our forefathers didn't fight and die for us to not go out there and vote. So all of us, if you guys went out there and voted, proud of y'all. The rest of y'all, screw you. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, Jay. Talk about it. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk about some NFL news. Um, so it's not just the games anymore that are like insane. Now we have like off the field stuff that is starting to percolate as well. That's that's very interesting. And the biggest one came yesterday when you know no shock really that Frank Wright got let go by the Indianapolis Colts as their head coach. Uh, way the team was trending downward. Uh, just how inept that offense looked against the Patriots on. Uh, uh, on Sunday, I, I had a feeling coming out of that game that this might be really, really bad for Frank Reich. Um, I don't know how much of his game you watched, Puma, but but Sam Ellinger looked looked horrible. Like he looked like a lost dog out there, and I think they get they did a kid a disservice. But that game came and went, and the next day the the shoe drops. Frank Reich gets fired, and we're all you know okay. Well, now the search begins for a new head coach. Little did we know that Jim Ursay decided to take his crazy pills and decided to hire Jeff Saturday. Yes, that Jeff Saturday, the former center of the Colts, current ESPN broadcaster, former head coach of a high school team that went three and seven, I believe, uh, is now the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And I, and the way this is setting up, when I first saw the news, I thought you know Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday just to kind of keep the ship afloat, uh, really you know put the season. Uh, to bed, you know, basically tank the last few games and next year they'll go ahead and find a new head coach. No, it's not that. It seems like Jeff Saturday might be there for the long haul, which is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, and, and you know, Jay, we were we were talking offline, and me, me you, and uh, our boy Freddie. I mean, it wasn't even halftime of the Patriots game, and I messaged you guys and was like, you know, prior prior to this game, I had Frank Reich possibly being out of a job by, you know, at the end of the season, unless they ran the table in the AFC South and won that division with Ellinger or whoever else, Nick Foles at quarterback. But I mean, they were just so inept on offense. And I'm going to preface that. I'm going to emphasize that, I should say. It's the offensive side of the football that was the problem because the defensive side of the football kept Mac Jones in check for the majority of that game. It was Ellinger with the with you know like with a couple of interceptions and they couldn't get anything going on the ground. I mean they weren't even really using Ellinger's legs, which was kind of you know I was expecting to maybe keep this game competitive was him actually being able to run the football, basing on what we saw a couple of weeks ago with Justin Fields. And they were just so inept. But what what kind of drove me nuts, and I'm going to disclose this for the, any of those that haven't noticed. 
I'm a big Frank Reich guy, so you can take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt. If Frank Reich's going, Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, needs to go because they have done nothing uh, at the quarterback position pretty much ever since Andrew Luck retired. Uh, they they gave Brissett the, con- the contract extension kind of on paper just to solidify like, hey, he's our guy to fill in the shoes right now as a bridge, and we're going to get the quarterback of the future. And then that quarterback of the future became Philip Rivers. And then that transformed into Carson Wentz, and they gave up a bunch of draft capital. And then that turned into the uh, albatross known as Matt Ryan right now with this guaranteed money still on the books. And somehow Chris Ballard is still going to have a job. Uh, Jim Ursay said that uh, Ballard's job is uh, is intact. Uh, he's going to be the general manager moving forward. Granted, take that with a grain of salt because he said last week that Frank Reich's job was not in jeopardy at all. But to get to the point about Jeff Saturday, I'm happy Jeff Saturday got well, a job, well, actually, Jay. Puma, let's hold off on that for one second because I do want to hit on that Chris Ballard point as well. Yeah. I think he, you're, you're spot on right, bro. Like, I think he's getting off scot-free here because – it's not just Matt Ryan that's the issue. Like, I understand Matt Ryan is not who he used to be. He's not 2016 Matt Ryan with his arm and Julio Jones in MVP season. That's fine. But there's a lot on that offensive side that that is, uh, you know, not, not that great either, right? The offensive line seems to have gone old very quickly. On top of that, the receivers, like, I mean, they, they haven't drafted or produced a good receiver in such a long time. They had a good running back in John Till, who's obviously going through some injuries right now. But it wasn't just a, an issue with Matt Ryan. There was a bigger issue on the offensive side where, you know, Ballard and his, his moves didn't allow for the replenishment of that offensive line and those skill players. Yeah, I mean, this is the highest paid offensive line in the NFL right now, and it seems like everyone got paid and they started getting lackadaisical. But a big problem is is the the, the blind side, the left tackle, because once Castano uh, retired, they did not fill that void. Like, that is where Ellinger has been getting killed. That is where Matt Ryan's been getting killed on this offensive line. Um, so there there is definitely a major gap for one of the highest paid offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah, and and, uh, and prime Josh Allen or prime Tom Brady or prime Dan Marino wouldn't be able to do jack shit behind that offensive line. That, that's, oh, a, it's a that's a point we've got to make clear here is that, yes, obviously Sam Ellinger is not a good quarterback and Mike Ryan is way past his prime, but this is a bigger issue with that offensive line. And no matter who they put there next year, if they don't fix that off, offensive line this offseason, then it's not going to matter anyways. Jay, the the offensive line for the Bears looked like a stout offensive mm-hmm. line against the Patriots mm-hmm. compared to what the Colts rolled out there, uh, you know, ninety six hours ago. Well, Matt much. Judon basically like got into the MVP race or Defensive Player of the Year race with uh, Micah Parsons because of his um, performance against uh, that offensive line the other day. What do you have, like five sacks? It was like four or five sacks. It was ridiculous. I stopped watching the third quarter because that game was it was over, you know? Like, mm-hmm. as bad as the Patriots were, I was like, this is way better than what's happening on the other side of the football. But, yeah, the Jeff Saturday point, I mean, that's the one that really shocked all of us, right, Puma? I mean, because we thought, like, hey, man, like, they're probably going to ride it out and find some of the offseason, and then, boom, Jim Mercy comes on there with a crazy rambling press conference, by the way. I don't know how much yeah. Mike and he. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was, you know, talking about sausage and what he knows that <laughs> it takes to be a successful NFL franchise. Jay, here's the thing. I don't I like Jeff Saturday as a person. I don't mind Jeff Saturday. Mm-hmm. But what drives me nuts is 
you bring in Jeff Saturday, who is, you know, like you mentioned at the top, he has no NFL experience. He's never called plays. His only coaching experience has been working uh, with the with the high school football academy, where he went three and seven. What makes him any different than, let's say, Reggie Wayne on the current coaching staff, who has never been a head coach in the NFL, or anyone else in that coaching staff that's been, you know, cutting their teeth? I mean, Mark Mark Spears, Marcus Spears of ESPN, brought up a great point of you know dan campbell has worked for how long on a coaching staff before he finally got his first bite at the apple for the detroit lions and you have jim ursay just dropping this guy out of nowhere to be a head coach like that that has to drive people insane like the raheem morris is the world the van josephs of the world the uh you know the uh Oh God, who was uh who was the head coach of the Broncos last year? Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio's the mm-hmm. world. He he was a defensive coordinator for damn near thirty years mm-hmm. before he got his first bite of the apple. And Jeff Saturday's just dropped in there. Like if you you tell me Reggie Wayne couldn't have guaranteed the tank to get you know the Bryce Youngs of the world for the quarterback next year, well, that is just it. asinine to me. Let's call it one hundred Puma. We always do on this podcast. Yep. He's part of the good old boys network. Simple as that. This is true. Simple Talk as about that. it. Let's let's be real. Jeff Saturday and Jim Mercy probably go way back. I'm sure they break bread on the side. I'm sure they talk football. I'm sure that Jim Ursay probably feels comfortable voicing his opinions and what he wants out of his football team to Jeff Saturday. And I bet you because of that relationship they've had in the past. Um, that is why, you know, he got that job because honest merits, like the, the coaching merits, Jeff Saturday shouldn't be a head coach in this league. He should be putting in three, four years. Like look at Wes Walker right now. Who Wes Walker is going to go down as a hall of fame wide receiver, right? With everything he's done. And he mm-hmm. has to what be a wide receiver coach in San Francisco last year, wide receiver coach down in Miami this year. Like it, th- he's putting his dudes in like so many other coordinators have. And this dude, like, just jumps the line. All those guys, I mean, we've got to call a spade a spade. And this is simply a... And, and the question that I got I, I to ask you is, how did it get around the Rooney Rule? Is it because it's an interim hire or is it because it's a mid-season that, hire? Like, how does that it, is, what's happening there? That is exactly it. The Rooney Rule does not apply uh, to interim hirings so, for the season. So I'm going to call it 100 here because I'm a Patriots fan, but the NFL needs to step in and stop this BS because this is not a second time this year that somebody or a team has skirted the Rooney Rule. The first time being my New England Patriots, where Bill Belichick essentially has a no offensive coordinator on his staff um, uh, because he wanted to give the job to Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as assistants and whatever else you want to call it. Now, consultants, obviously, right? Yeah, consultants, senior analysts, whatever whatever crap title they have for, for both those guys. But the main reason why he does that is because, A, he doesn't have to go out there and have a hiring process. And in that hiring process, he'll be forced to go through a Rooney rule. And, B, obviously because the New York Giants and the Detroit Lions are cutting checks for both those guys, so that's part of it as well. But the NFL's got to figure out a way to, to you know, nip this in the butt and not have teams cut the Rooney rule. Exactly. I mean, and to get back to real quick about cutting the teeth, like Mike McDaniel, you know, a.k.a. Mark Anthony Jr. down in South Florida, he he cut his teeth to the NFL, literally being the ball boy with Mike Shanahan's son, Kyle Shanahan, for the Denver Broncos. And he, he worked his way up to being the head coach of the Dolphins here. And I, I just I, I don't get it. And I'm with you, Jay. I think if the Rooney rule should apply to all facets of a coaching coaching hire, you know, if it's like an interim basis, if you're going to look to the outside, absolutely. 
but I mean, this this hiring here is just so it's so asinine. And to me, being a Dolphins fan, you know, who was hearing it, you know, in the off season about how the Dolphins were not only being investigated for tampering, but for essentially throwing games to get you know the higher draft pick. And you know, our boy Freddie in the chat. Uh, he was saying, you know, oh, the tank is guaranteed. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you can't talk about a tank. That's going to take away the integrity of the game. You can't talk about tanking. They are not tanking. The Indianapolis Colts are absolutely trying to win. But to any layman, Jay, this is just Jim Ursay licking the stamp and sending the mail to Tanksville to get that number one draft pick. And even so, Jay, like, you know, to get into college weeds real quick because we're already going down that path. Is Bryce Young or or Will Levis or any other high quality quarterback prospect going to survive behind this offensive line? Nope. Unless you have CJ Stroud with a bigger body, um, you're not going to have Will Levis or Bryce Young, who's really really small, survive behind that offensive line. Um, so I mean, what what's your thought process on the outlook for the rest of the season for the Colts? Because I know you know in theory we never bring up the word tank in the NFL. That's like a no no. Um, but do you think there's a, a game plan by Ursay to go out there and tank as much as possible and pick one of these quarterbacks? Because I, I to be real with you, what you said to me earlier kind of shocked me that somehow the Colts are going to beat the Raiders this pa- this weekend and you'll put some money on it. Like, I, I don't understand how this is going to happen and they're also going to be tanking. You feel me? I mean, the Raiders are that bad right now that it just it would not surprise me that the Colts found a way to like grind this out on the defensive side of the football. Maybe it's a pick six that seals the victory, but I mean, the Raiders have not, they, they've blown double digit leads almost every point of this year. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels is looking like he's falling fat, you know, flat on his face for the second time, uh, the second bite at the apple of the head coaching tree. But like, let's read down the schedule here. We got the Raiders this week uh, in Las Vegas, the Colts are at home against Philadelphia. The 28th, Steelers come to town. The 4th, you know, in Dallas at Jerry World. The Vikings at home against the Chargers. And then they round out the schedule January 1st, Giants. Uh, and then at home against the Texans. Like, I, maybe best case scenario, Jay, they win against the Raiders and they squeak out a win against, the Texans. you know, the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the Texans, though. I mean, maybe Damian Pierce breaks out a big, big run. Like I, I see them maybe winning two games down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is going to be interesting. Like I, I cannot wait to see what's going to unfold with this Colts team. I mean, it's just the NFL. The, the beauty of the NFL is that even when the games aren't happening, there's drama everywhere. Oh, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> but you can't say tank. Don't say tank. <laughs> They are constructively rebuilding their roster by way of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to some, uh, some game previews. <clears throat> the first game, the 9.30 a.m. first ever game in Germany, the 6-3 Seattle Seahawks are taking on the 4-5 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm happy for the German fans that they get to watch a really good football team. A really good game, actually, because these both both these teams are, you know, obviously the Bucs are not what they used to be, but they're still a good football team to watch. And obviously the Seahawks are 6-3, so they're, they're, they're rolling right now. But this is going to be a fun game. 9.30 a.m. Pumo, he got one of this, man. Dude, I got the Seahawks. I got Seattle winning this game. Like, this team... This team has shown me a lot of moxie. They they've really rallied around Geno Smith. Uh, Geno, 
Um, he should be a leading candidate in the MVP race, but he's he's not just because of the team and the other people he's up against, but definitely the leader in the clubhouse for comeback player of the year, in my opinion. This rookie class for the Seahawks is balling out. Pete Carroll is looking like a genius with the Russell Wilson trade. Um, but there's just so much, and I know you're going to get into it with the Buccaneers, so I don't want to steal that much thunder, but there's just so much free fall with the Buccaneers that we've been hammering home for the last couple of weeks about the coaching staff, the offensive scheme, the the connection with the quarterback and the and the skill position players, the health of the skill position players. I, I, I feel like there's just a lot going against you know, the Buccaneers here and, you know, no disrespect to Tom Brady. He pulled another rabbit out of the hat and, and won in uh you know, late game fashion. How mad were you when that happened? I wasn't mad because I had Buccaneers minus three. So I got the push. <laughs> so I looked at that push as a victory. Bro, I mean, up until that point, yeah. I was pissed at the end of the game when there was four zeros on the clock and it was a push. I was a happy camper. I considered that a win. And that's just another instance of Sean McVay being an idiot, like not knowing the who they're up against on the other side of the field. But, you know, in this case, it's the Seahawks. They're traveling across the pond. They're going to Munich. You know, guten morning for for our Deutsch fans out there. The spread's at two and a half. Uh, the over-unders at 44 and a half. Uh, the Seahawks are the underdog in this matchup. Give me the Seahawks to cover this. They're part of a teaser leg. It's one of my best bets. But I think they're going to win this game outright. So, like, when I was thinking about this game, I, I decided to go down the list, right? And I decided to figure out, you know, who has the advantage in each individual category, right? So, when it comes to coaching, right, we're going to have give the nod to Pete Carroll over dumbass Todd Bowles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to a running attack, give me the, the young buck and Walker and that offensive line. Obviously, you know, the, the wide receivers, I think, are a wash because I think DK Metcalf and Lockett are holding their own against Mike Evans and a banged-up Godwin. Defensively, I think, you know, we've seen some issues out of the Seahawks defense. We've seen some issues out of the uh, uh, the Buccaneers um, defense. So, that's a wash as well. And, and obviously, the quarterback will have to lean, lean towards Tom Brady. And it seems like, for the most part, all the categories are tilted toward the Seahawks' favor. And I would not be shocked if the if the Seahawks won this game. But I'm sorry, I, I can't go against Tom Brady. Like you know this man. Like I, what I saw the other night out of him just gave me a, gave me hope, man. It gave me a little bit of glimmer that there's still that old Tom Brady in there somewhere, where where the whole game is crap. You're getting shitted on. This game's over. You get the ball back with what 35, 40 seconds, no timeouts, and you just drive down the field and score a touchdown, dude. Oh, it's so good. It was so good, Puma. It, it warmed my heart, you know, because I haven't felt that elation from football since the Buccaneers Super Bowl against the Chiefs which is a year and a half ago now right almost two years so it was good to watch it, it, you know there's still a lot of issues on the Buccaneers team and I'm not saying by any by any stretch of magic they're like you know riding the ship now and then over the Super Bowl but obviously you know Seahawks are the better team but I, I just can't go against Tom Brady it's like it's against me you know it's in me you know <laughs> No, give me give me the pride and joy of Mountaineers country, West Virginia, Geno Smith. I, I I'm just, this team. I, I I hate to go this far, but doesn't it feel like the Seahawks might be like that that quasi team of destiny? You know what I mean? Like nobody counted them in to to have a puncher's chance in the NFC. Uh, you know, even with how weak it was compared to the AFC, and they're they're leading their division by a big big margin. They're pos- they're one of my dark horse teams for the Super Bowl. I I you know no disrespect to Tom, 
But give me give me the Seahawks all day, baby. Let's go. All right. Okay. Okay. It'll be it'll be a fun watch. Um. Let's see. Let's see where we are. Did you know though? Fun fact. Did you know that the flight time from Seattle to Munich fourteen hours is is essentially the same from Tampa to Munich. Yeah, because they go over the mm-hmm. the uh, the Arctic Circle. So basically, the trip from Florida up the East Coast is the same as it is from you know the West Coast to the East Coast, and they same flight path from there, right? Yep. All right, let's move on to your game, Puma. The uh, three and five Cleveland Browns are traveling down to Miami to take on the six and three Miami Dolphins. Puma, how you feeling? How's your boy? How you feeling about your boy, Tua, the dark horse MVP candidate right now? I'm feeling really good, Jay, and that's saying a lot considering mm-hmm. you know we can pull the tapes. I mean, I was never the biggest Tua fan, but I mean this team, this team is a different team with Tua under center, and he's been connecting. I mean. We connected with with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill has hit the thousand yard receiving mark week nine of the NFL season. I mean, you could make an argument that Tyreek should be the another dark horse candidate for the MVP of the of the season. But I mean, this team is undefeated when Tua is starting. It's it's you know the other team that's undefeated with their starting quarterback is is obviously Jalen Hurts, the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know they were both products of Alabama, so. I'm eating crow for my takes on Alabama quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks somewhat, but I mean this team just looks different. Tua is a different guy. Mike McDaniel, aka Mark Anthony Jr., uh, the head coach of the team, is just bringing a whole different dynamic. But I'll say this much, Jay. I know we got Bradley Chubb. This defense is going to be the biggest liability for the team uh, moving forward, especially to make a potential playoff run in this uh, in the stacked AFC because they were blitzing. I think they blitzed the most out of any team in the NFL against uh, against you know Justin Fields last week, and Fields burned them. I mean he he rushed for over a hundred yards. Uh, you know he had a, I think he had three total touchdowns. Two through the air, one on the ground. You know, Justin Fields looked like, you know, the first round draft pick that everyone thought that he was going to be coming out of the Ohio State. Did I say it right? Did I emphasize the the yes, enough sir. for you? Yes, sir. Okay. You've learned. I, just, I know. I know it's a law out in Ohio, uh, so I don't want to. I don't want to break the law whenever I come out there to visit you. I don't need any warrants for not emphasizing the in the Ohio State, but. Uh, th- this game here, Jay, I got the I got the Dolphins winning this game. The spread has been floating around between four and then three and a half, depending on what your book is. Uh, I think you're going to find three and a half here, but I I got the Dolphins winning this game. I th- I got them covering the spread. I I just I think that this team, their offensive weapons are just going to be too much for the Cleveland Browns defense to handle. We saw the defensive line for the Browns push around the Bengals on a, a Monday night last week, but give me give me the Dolphins. I, I will happily lay the three and a half points at this point with the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, spot on. Like, we're not even going to talk about the, the Browns here because I, I think they have no chance of winning this game, but I want to talk about the Dolphins. I, I'm so impressed with what Tua's doing, what, what Tyreek's doing, and I have a declaration to make. You know, I was kind of like tiptoeing this the other day about how I, I've always, you know, thought Randy Moss was the most explosive wide receiver in the NFL that I've ever seen. Um, and what he had that 07 year where Brady was something special. But this guy, too, man, is some, uh, this guy Tyreek is something else, man. Like, he is just so damn fast. And I don't think people understand just how hard 
It is to run as fast as Tyreek is with pads and a football holding one arm back. Because the way, you know, the way you see sprinters run, they use both their arms to have momentum to push them down the track, right? With, mm-hmm. with Tyreek, one of those hands is cupping the ball at all times. So, like, he can't use that hand for his running uh, nat- uh, natural running motion. And he has pads on and a helmet that weighs, like, what, six, seven pounds? I mean, I'm sorry. This guy is just electric. Anytime he touches the ball, like, it's... Even if you have the perfect coverage, like, to have two people there to, like, stop him, he's still going to get, like, four or five yards after carry after catch just because of how explosive he is. So, he's playing lights out. Tua's playing very well. Tua's very confident. We've had this conversation last week about how he looks like he's old Alabama Tua. Um, but you're right. The only concern I really have is that Miami Dolphins defense. And I wanted to see how they would travel on the road in Chicago. But, you know, obviously the weather in Chicago last week wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the worst either. Like, obviously there's much worse weather we want to see in, during the January, February months uh, and late December. But I wanted to see how they would take that offensive aerial attack up on the road to Chicago. And, they've, and they fared well. I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well they played up there. So what I wanted to ask you, Puma, was like, what are some realistic expectations that we're going to set for the Dolphins now? Like, I know you said a while back that you wanted to make the playoffs and win one game, but are we are we by any chance get to a point where we're looking at an AFC contender for the Dolphins out of the AFC, or is it still a little twirly for that? No, I, I think it's I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility. I know we're going to talk about it with uh, with you know the uh, the Bills game preview coming up, but. You know, the Josh Allen injury concern is a very legitimate one, and I may or may not have taken a futures ticket on the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East at plus 500 odds because there is so much up in the air about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, This offense is dynamite if this defense, specifically the secondary for the Dolphins, can get you know relatively healthy and Byron Jones finally comes back I'm not that hopeful that he is going to come back this season but let's say there's an outside chance that he does and Xavier Howard gets healthy uh yeah this would be a you know a decent defense and definitely definitely a contender in the AFC to possibly go to the Super Bowl yeah, that should be that should be really fun. And let's just go down the Dolphins schedule real quick because it gives us good insight into what um, we're looking forward to in the next few weeks. I mean, you've got the 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 Bears this week, so that's gonna be a win. You've got the whatever where's the, where's this at? One second. So you got the Bears, that's a win. The Texans, I think that's a win. The 49ers, that's obviously a toss-up, especially in San Francisco. Chargers, that's going to be a good game. But I think the Bills can take that. Uh, I'm sorry, the Dolphins can take that. Uh, the Bills again. The Packers, who obviously seems like they're not they're not doing so well. Um, the Patriots, I mean, obviously you guys have owned the Patriots, and then the Jets. I'm sure you guys won't get swept by the Jets. There'll be a split. So, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five games right there where I think you can be favored in. I mean, we're looking at a potential 11, 11, 12 win season for the Dolphins right now, and that's counting mm-hmm. the fact that you guys dropped a couple of games and Tua was out. Like I, I can't get over the fact that Tua has started and finished all the games that he started and finished. He's, he's been undefeated in those games. Yep, exactly. I, I'm, I'm amazed too. And I, I mean, again, I was not the biggest fan of the draft pick coming out of Alabama, but I am pleasantly what, eating crow right now. It's a testament to what Mike Downs has done. Like he really is. The yes, new he's he's inspired confidence. Kid. Like he's, and it just goes to show you what you can accomplish when you believe in people. Like mm-hmm. Brian Flores. Like the more that Tua balls out, the more the less I think of Brian Flores. Like I I, I truly think the guy is a, a scumbag for what he did to Tua and how the organization didn't 
basically get behind them, uh, you know. So I, I'm happy for Tua and Mike McDaniel. Likewise, likewise. All right, let's talk about some serious stuff here, right? The seven and one, yes, seven and one Minnesota Vikings are gonna go and take on the what is this? Uh, six and two Buffalo Bills, and obviously. The big storyline here isn't the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are rolling or Kirk Cousins is now known as Kirk Thuggin after that video surfaced of him on the plane. It's the, <laughs> yeah. fact, it's the fact that Josh Allen has a UCL injury. Now, what exactly is a UCL injury, Puma? That is the inner ligament. If you hold your elbow out, uh, if you extend your arm, I should say, the inside of your elbow, mm -hmm. there's a ligament there. That's the uh, ulnar lateral ligament mm -hmm. that's a ucl you see a ucl injury a lot in, in baseball, baseball right? pitches yep. for tommy john mm -hmm. uh so the the issue with with uh, josh allen here is towards the end of the game i believe it was in the fourth quarter yep. in the dying minutes of the football game he went back he cocked the arm back to throw the football and the one of the defenders blocked the pass but the problem is is josh allen's arm kept going forward so there is a, a good probability that there is a injury to that ucl ligament um honestly jay the 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 spread in this game it's it opened uh if you bet on this game the vikings bills game before kickoff on sunday uh, it opened at you know nine uh, Bills laying nine points to Bills laying eight and a, eight and a half. It is now down to a five and a half spread, and I think the books are factoring in uh, a good probability that Case Keenum is going to definitely be starting this week. Uh, but honestly, I would not be surprised if maybe Josh Allen is done for the year if it's a UCL injury because honestly. It, if, if it was a non-factor, it would have been announced yesterday, November 7th, on Monday. Hey, he's got like a mild sprain. It's about pain management and rehab. We're going to shut him down for a week or two. And, but he'll be back. You know, he'll be functioning by this date, potentially. I, I think, you know, at this point, they're trying to get a second opinion before they announce anything official. And that's why I'm a little bit more pessimistic on the outlook for Josh Allen moving forward. Uh, so I would buckle up for the potential of seeing Case Keenum for no extended way. period of time. You really think mm -hmm. he, he's hurt that bad that Case Keenum might be playing on Sunday? Because why wouldn't you come out and announce, hey, the X-ray came back this way. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to shut him up, shut him down for a week or a week or two. He'll, you know, we're we're expecting him to be back for like week fifteen or or whatever. They did not do that yesterday, which tells me they're waiting for a, a second opinion. And one of the handicappers I follow for CBS Sports, RJ White, diehard Bills fan, he is floating that same theory too. He's a guy I respect a lot, so I, I, I'm kind of buying his stock on that take. Wow, interesting. Now, is this injury going to be a lingering injury that's going to cause pain and issue down the road, or can this heal? No, no. If it's like a Tommy John type of surgery, if he gets it done... Let's say it's the worst case scenario, right? And he gets it done this week. You know, he'll be obviously he'll be done for the rest of the season. He'll probably be back in time for training camp. But no, it, it should not be an injury that affects him long term. I mean, hell, there have been baseball pitchers that come back from a Tommy John surgery and their velocity actually increases for whatever that means compared to, you know, apples to oranges of the game of football. So the, this is not going to be 
a, a long-term injury. I don't think this is going to de- you know derail his career at any point. It's just if he has a UCL tear that requires surgery, he's just going to be done for the year. Right. So Josh Allen definitely needs more velocity in his throws, right? <laughs> oh yeah, the, for he's, sure. He's the one guy that can stand to lose some. But no, I, I think if if you're if you, if Case Keenum is going to play on Sunday, then obviously the Minnesota Vikings are going to win that game, in my opinion, because the Vikings are a sneaky good team. Like I haven't watched much of them, and I don't think most of the nation has because a first of all they're in the north and nobody cares. They're like buried up there in the north, but. Like, if you watch them, they're a very, very balanced team. And that's a very scary team when you have, you know, obviously it's not Kirk Cousins carrying them. It, they have a good running attack. They've got Kirk Cousins making the throws when he needs to. You've got a good wide receiver group. And obviously Justin Jefferson's out there. The defense is playing well. That is a very, very balanced team. And, and if if Josh Allen isn't playing, then I'm taking the Vikings. Now, obviously, if Josh Allen is playing and, you know, it's not as, uh, as severe as we all think it is or as the internet might have you believe at the moment and he's going to be fine, then... Then I think obviously the Bills are going to win this game. Uh, I'll take I'll take the Bills winning that game. Minnesota's got to travel to the East Coast. You never know where Kirk Duggan. You don't know if he's going to be hot or cold. Obviously, it's, he's lucky it's a one p.m. game and not a primetime game. But I, I think I think for the most part the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game if Josh Allen starts. If he doesn't, then obviously everything's up in the air. I'm going to go on the other side. Even if Case Keenum does start Whoa. this game, I do I do have the Bills winning this matchup. And here's the thing. The Vikings were taken to the limit against Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders last week. They only put up 20 points, and they won that by the skin of their teeth and may or may not have had help with the referee call, depending on how you look at some things. But the point is, is they won 20-17 to against the lowly Washington Commanders, which has less talent, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the football compared to the Buffalo Bills. I think the defense is going to keep the Bills in this game. Um, you know, maybe generate a turnover or two because it is Kirk Cousins. There's always a chance of Kirk or, you know, Kirk Thuggin going <laughs> to Kirby Cousins here. Uh, so I think that defense is going to be, a, you know, a lively matchup in this game. Uh, you know, we're also going to have to monitor whether or not Jordan Poyer is going to be playing because he missed last week with a, with an elbow injury. You know, he heard a pop when he was playing against Green Bay. Hopefully he's going to be on the men. He'll be able to play this week against the Vikings. But even with Kirk, uh, with uh, Case Keenum rather at the helm, I think they'll be able to generate enough plays and, and score enough points here. Um, and hell, you know, we saw Case Keenum have that connection with Stefan Diggs a few years ago in the Minneapolis Miracle. Why not generate some more uh, magic uh, up in uh, up in Buffalo here? So I got the I got the Bills winning this game. Uh, but the Vikings are part of one of my best bets this week because I did grab the line earlier. I'll get to that in the best bets. But uh, give me give me the Bills even with Case Keenum at the helm. The only question I have is why was Kirk Cousins the only one without a shirt on in that video? Because like everybody else had their shirts on. For some reason, he had a shirt off, just like showing off the six pack abs and and the chains and just like dancing awkwardly. Jay, I'm just going to go with tequila does weird things to people. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, we can just look at our wedding, my wedding. You know, we can look at my wedding and the wedding venue and the party. Tequila, tequila does some weird things. I will agree to that. I had a great, <laughs> <laughs> I had a fantastic time at your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you were Jay Thuggin, huh? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> all the chains, all the chains. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the six and two Dallas Cowboys taking on the three and six Green Bay Packers, and the Cowboys are coming off of a bye. The Green Bay Packers are coming off of an interesting loss to the Lions, final score being 15-9. to In that game, Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions, and he looked like he was an ayahuasca the whole game. He really looked like, the way he was throwing the ball to the Lions, uh, Lions defenders, I'm like, bro, do you understand that the Lions are blue-colored jerseys and you guys wear green jerseys? Like, he was, he was out there. Jay, I think I, him being on ayahuasca would have been an improvement. He, <laughs> he looked lost. He looked like he did not want to be out there. Uh, that was probably the maddest I've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers on the field at times. I, I think he pretty much stopped short of spiking the uh, the Microsoft tablet on the sideline. But, I mean, this uh, – Jay, this Packers team is bad. And, like, I know people are kind of questioning why, why did Gutekunst not trade first-round draft pick for, let's say, a DJ Moore or getting another stud wide receiver – the wide receiver clearly is not going to help this team. Like, it does not matter. The offensive line is a joke. They laid an egg against the worst defense statistically in the NFL in, in the Detroit Lions here. He threw three interceptions, two of which were in the end zone. Uh, they just look lost. And, and to compound it, Jay, their offensive line is probably going to get, you know, just ripped apart by Micah Parsons and this defensive line for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Romeo Dobbs, their projected number two wide receiver because of the, the lack of depth on that team, might miss this game and possibly, you know, another four to five games because of a high ankle sprain. Alan Lazard can't stay healthy to save his life. And Christian Watson is coming off of a, a soft tissue injury with a hamstring pull. And on top of that, Aaron Jones has a high ankle sprain, but they per, they're they hopeful that he's going to be a GOAT this week. But we might be seeing a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon this game. I'm not even going to bother with the analysis of the Cowboys. The spread is you know, the Cowboys minus five mm -hmm. on the road at Lambeau. I might lay the five with Dallas. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing in this Green Bay Packers team that inspires any confidence. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, and I think I think we both agree the Cowboys are going to win this game. I'm just shocked at how quickly it's unraveled for Green Bay. And I'm shocked more that I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers just doesn't care anymore. Like, we always knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't the leader that Tom Brady is, right? I mean, you saw two guys struggling on Sunday, both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Brady obviously pulled a rabbit out of his, out of his ass, but... Aaron Rodgers, like you, you saw his default, his his character flaw as a quarterback. When he seems like he he's out there throwing balls that he doesn't even care. Like I, I, there was a point where I thought he honestly just closed his eyes and threw the ball out of frustration, just because Aaron Rodgers isn't that guy that, that turns the ball over. The one thing that his calling card is the fact that he just does not turn the ball over. And I shit you not, I saw some plays out of him on Sunday that remind me of Zach Wilson. Like I'm not even lying mm -hmm. to you. Like he's just throwing random balls. So I don't know what's happening. I don't know if this is like a get back at the Green Bay Packers kind of thing. I don't know if this is last year. Like, it's not good right now in Green Bay. And I don't understand, like, what they're going to do to fix it. Like, there's so much wrong with that team. And actually, I take it back. I take it back. I think the biggest issue is his attitude is something you can't fix. Like, seriously, like there's a lot of things that you can fix on an offensive line or a wide receiver room or a defense. But you can't fix his attitude. Like, I don't think this is going to get any better. This is who he is now. He's ingrained in his personality of who he is at 30, what, 8 years old. He's not going to change next year and turn it around. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, it ain't looking good, man. The outlook for these guys is not looking good. 
no no the, the, this is a rap uh I, is it a rap on his career I mean, he just got a massive contract extension, so yeah, but wasn't I, I'm there some, thinking... Wasn't there some outs in that contract where he could get traded or some shit like that? Or is that basically ironclad? I feel like it's ironclad. I have to jump into the contract. I don't honestly know the contract details. But I don't feel like Green Bay is going to eat a crap sandwich with the salary cap if he retires, especially just signing that contract, because that would more than likely put them in contract hell next season. Um, so I expect him to be back, whether or not Gutekunst and that team is going to be active in free agency or, you know, hey, maybe we draft a wide receiver in the first round. I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, Aaron is, you know, on one page and the, the general manager and the team for that matter are, are going a completely different avenue, you know, regardless of what the quarterback thinks, which you know, at the end of the day, in my opinion, I'm kind of old school. is is fine by me, especially with Rodgers being a prima donna. I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan, so take that with a grain of salt. But who would have thought, like, his contract extension and basically Devontae Adams wanting to be as far away from Aaron Rodgers as humanly possible would lead the Packers down this path? Mm, seriously, my God, that's just a cluster bleep show up there in green bay and mm-hmm. and those packer fans they're loyal fans i'm sure they, they're asking themselves what, what's happening as well i saw little wayne who's the biggest packer fan out of all you know he's saying stuff like we should have let number 12 go he was on skip and shannon showing this period the other day talking about how like Aaron Rodgers doesn't look invested like he just doesn't seem to care like that that says a lot when a very big celebrity of your team is turning on you like that, because we all know, I'm sure, Lil Wayne and Aaron Rodgers have met, and I'm sure walking away from that conversation, Lil was like, I don't, I don't like the feeling from this guy. Um, and the second he had the opportunity, he bashed him. So I'm surprised he didn't come to his defense, and it says a lot about Aaron Rodgers himself when Lil Wayne is like, yo, man, I can't, I can't mess with you. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the Sunday Night Football game. It's a good one, actually. The Los Angeles Chargers are traveling up to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Um, both teams, uh, the, the 49ers are coming off of a bye, and the Chargers are coming off of a win against the Falcons. Uh, 2017 was the final score. So, Puma, he got to win this game. San Francisco. I just I have zero faith in Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have zero faith in Joe Lombardi. Who knows if Keenan Allen's ever going to play another down this season. And, you know, another... You know, aging wide receiver with a soft tissue injury. I don't understand why the Chargers just do everyone a friggin' favor and put him on injured reserve. Uh, Justin Herbert has looked, you know, rather disappointing this season. I know you'll probably go into a little bit further about your boy here because I know we're on the same wavelength about Justin Herbert. But, you know, give me the 49ers. Their defense is legit. It's it's almost, you know, 2019-esque when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, major pickup before the trade deadline. His, his last game, uh, you know, he threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. And uh, you know, he was doing it all. I think he had three different types of touchdowns that game. So uh, give me the San Francisco 49ers in prime time at home in Santa, in Santa Clara, California. I just I, I have zero faith in this Chargers offense and the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, same here. I, um, I'm i just going to pick with my heart here and not my head. My head's coming 49ers because they're the better teams, top to bottom, you know, roster-wise. They're just so much better. And obviously, coaching advantage goes to Shanahan as well over of dumbass Brandon Staley. But I'm just simply going with my heart here. I think somehow the Chargers are going to pull out a rabbit out of their ass and win this game. 
But overall, you know, your, your general sentiment is right, man. I've been so disappointed with the charges this year. And, you know, it starts with, obviously, the, the quarterback obviously gets the lion's share of the blame or, or the credit. And uh, to be real with you, he hasn't played up to his elite-level standard this year. I don't know how much of the ribs are hurting him from what he mm-hmm. had in week two. I don't know if that's still a lingering injury or if it's just simply him regressing in that offense. Uh, if, he, you know, if it's Lombardi, if it's the offensive line, there's a lot wrong there as well. And, and to be real with you, I'm at the point now where I just want Brandon Staley gone. Like, I, I know they're 5-3. and three, but, like, his calling card was defense. And this defense gets crushed on a very regular basis. Like, I know, you know, the Falcons only put up 17 points. But there were times in that game where Marcus Mariota looked really good. And, like, Tyler Al- was Algier. He's, like, running from 99 yep. yards. Like, I think the thing that annoys me the most is the fact that Brandon Staley's, you know, calling card is defense. And he spent a bunch of money on that front seven in the offseason. Getting those two big guys uh, to clog up the middle. Obviously getting Khalil Mack. Um I just I'm just shocked that they can't stop the run and their their defense secondary is somewhat hurt now, limping now because JC Jackson is hurt. So overall I'm not happy with where the Chargers are this year. I thought they were gonna be in the elite echelon of the AFC with the Chiefs and the Bills, and it seems like early on they were in that uh in that hunt when they're taking the, the Chiefs to the wire when we're out there I was watching it with you in in Connecticut. But it seems like the team hasn't been the same ever since that Justin Herbert injury happened. Exactly. And I, I, you know, a major part of that is is the Keenan Allen injury, in, in my opinion. And Jay, you know, to get to Brandon Staley here, I know, I know a lot of people are kind of drawing the tea leaves to Sean Payton. Yeah. You know, at some point going there, is it beyond the realm of possibility that Frank Reich goes out to Los Angeles to be the next head coach? And what would your thoughts be for the development of Justin Herbert if Frank Reich is the head coach? I, w- I want Sean Payne for him. Like, I-, I get it. Frank Reich's a good hire. He's a good, solid coach. He'll be the leading. He'll be that voice in the locker room that, you know, obviously is a very steady, like, voice. But I think with L.A., that market, competing with the Rams, flashy, you want Sean Payton. You want to pair up a a genius offensive coordinator with Justin Herbert for his development, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, Frank Reich screams like Indianapolis. You feel me? Man of faith, very laid back, very calm. I just think the sexy, flashy hire is Sean Payton. And I know at the end of the day, the, the main priority is obviously to see Justin Herbert develop and obviously have a franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. But I'm sure the Spanos family are business people. They understand what Sean Payton can do for getting those, uh, those people in those seats. So I, I would love, I would love Sean Payton so much, man. Because could you imagine what Sean Payton could do with Justin Herbert? Like what he did with Drew Brees, who was an undersized, above average talent uh, when it comes to his arm, to give him a six six like football Adonis, like I mean, come on, like it's gonna be it's gonna be light work. It's gonna be so much fun to watch, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of guy you need. And I think the other part of this is that's the kind of guy you need to go toe to toe with Andy Reid for the next ten years, right? Because I don't see Andy Reid retiring anytime soon. Uh, maybe maybe five years, but you need somebody that's creative enough and smart enough on offense to be able to go toe to toe with Andy Reid. And I don't think Frank Reich's that guy. Oh man. Now, would, well, Frank, would Frank Reich ever take an offensive coordinator job, or is he looking for head coaching job? Honestly, I think I think he's going to have to take an offensive coordinator job that'd be great before he gets another you bite. Got Peyton and Frank Reich developing Justin Herbert, you feel me? Honestly, I feel like Frank Reich might go down to Jacksonville and be the offensive coordinator again for Doug Peterson for mm. a year or two before he gets another bite at the apple. Yeah, but if I'm a, if I'm a team and I'm going through the coaching carousel this offseason – 
I'm hiring Frank Reich. Like anybody, if Sean, oh yeah, if Sean Payne isn't there. Obviously, number one, the big dog out there, is Sean Payne. We all agree that, right? I mean, Sean Payne mm-hmm. is a different caliber of coach. But if he, if Sean, if Sean Payne's not there, then I'm hiring Frank Reich. And from what it seems like, Sean Payne really only has his eyes set on like two different jobs. It seems like he really wants to be in the LA market because he he lives out there and he loves it out there. And well, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild either. Exactly right. And I think the Dallas job intrigues him because of his ties to the Dallas area. But I think the rest of it, it's gonna be Frank Reich. It's gonna be number one pick for most people. Mm-hmm. Give me some Frank Reich. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I do like I like him too, man. I think I think he didn't get dead, he didn't get done dirty, but I I definitely wish he would gone. I mean, he got pretty he got done dirty pretty goddamn close. You think I, so, I, huh? I, I mean, Jay, listen, is he to bl- is blame going to go on him? For sure, because he's the captain of the ship, okay? But at some point, yeah. logic Ballard has to has set to in him, yeah. with Frank Ballard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for all his shrewd moves of, oh, man, he got, like, Philip Rivers on the cheap, and he, you know, he didn't outbid himself for Carson Wentz, but he took on that massive contract for Matt Ryan like all these quarterback thing, quarterback fixes were just band aids. Like they never panned out. And honestly, was Carson Wentz that much of a drop off no. from Matt Ryan this no. year? No. I mean, did you have to? Did you, well, I the, think the, 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 oh. I, I think the owner meddling is also a big part of that issue as well. I mean, I, I think, oh yeah, I Jim Irsay reared his ugly head the last three weeks. Like he, I think Irsay is really losing it, man. Like I get, I get the Matt Ryan thing because I understand that. At first, I'm like, all right, it makes no sense, but. It makes sense that right now you own the guy with $12 million, but if he gets hurt, you're on the hook for like 19 more, right? Mm-hmm. So you might as well sit him. Like if this is going to be a rebuild and it looks like the season's gone and you have your eyes set on the draft to make sure you do have a competent quarterback for the next 5, 7, 10 years, then yeah, I get that point. But some of the other moves, I just don't get. Like I, I can't I can't believe he did that to Frank Reich so so quickly and so dirty. And then, then Ballard gets none of it. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yep. All right, uh, best bets of the Puma, man. What you got this week, Brown? All right, best bets. I actually had a very, very good day in the NFL last week, Jay. Nice. Talk to me, bro. I went, I went eight and two, eight and two. Would you? Oh! How much you end up winning? Like big money or little money? Uh, no, because like uh, right, you, you know, bet, two, you bet small money, right? Yeah. The two games I lost, like it, it was, those were kind of like my heavier bets that week. But like I was up, you know, it was up about you know three units on the day. So let's go. We're gonna go back to the well. I did get a little greedy with with Sunday night football. I thought I could, you know, maybe get an interception prop from Malik Willis. And a couple of times he was it looked like he was dying to throw a pick when he threw the football. And Jay, I fell a yard short of him hitting his rushing prop. I needed him to hit 42 because it was at 41 and a half. And he uh he ended the night at 40. I was uh I was pissed. But it was a good day. It was a good day for best bets with the Puma. And we're going to go back to the well this week. So right now, my best bets as of November 8th at 9.16 in the evening on the East Coast. I got the under 42 and a half Indianapolis Colts, Las Vegas Raiders. Listen, the Raiders can't hold can't hold jack shit for a lead. They're just going to blow it away. I don't think they're going to score a whole lot of points against you know, for everything that's being said about the Colts and the Jeff Saturday hire and how much of a comical organization they are right now, the defense for the Colts are legit. I think they're going to give Derek Carr and that offensive uh, system uh, a run for their money. Honestly, I would not be surprised if they won that game outright, that being the Indianapolis Colts on the road. So if you want a money line Could sprinkle, you, you want to put that? a couple put a couple of that? shekels down Oof. on the Colts to win that game, I would I would not look at you funny. 
But give me the under 42.5. I also don't think the Colts are going to generate any semblance of an offense. My next bet, I'm laying 2.5 points against the uh, you know Chicago Bears against the Detroit Lions. They're at home in Chicago. Uh, Justin Fields and this team looks like they rounded a corner coming off of that bye week. Uh, they're really feeling themselves the last couple of weeks. Justin Fields looks like right now, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, he looks like the best quarterback in that rookie draft class from last yeah, year. Yeah, he uh, looks And it's so not even good. close. He looks good. He looks J- – J- it looks like – and it, it sucks because it took this long for Matt Eberflus to see the goddamn light. Mm-hmm. But it kind of looks like that transformation a little bit – I hate to say this – in like what we saw in Josh Allen pretty much growing in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of what we're seeing. Like he's throwing to – you know, Darnell Mooney, which is, you know, really where it begins and ends for that wide receiver core. I know they just traded for Chase Claypool. Maybe in the next couple of weeks he gets a little bit more semblance in the offense with Justin Fields. But give me the it's it's Bears or nothing at this point, uh, for the for the Bears Lions game. I will happily lay the two and a half points uh for for that game right here. Uh I'm also going under 45 and a half in the Vikings Bills game. Everything I said about the Josh Allen injury up in the air and the Minnesota Vikings for how great of an offense they are. They only squeaked out 20 points against the lowly Washington Commanders. I think they're going to be in a, uh, in for a longer day against the Buffalo Bills, whether or not you know uh, Poyer is in that lineup. Uh, so that that's my feeling on that. Also, I'm laying three and a half points with the uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, against the Cleveland Browns, you want to hear the analysis go back about 20 minutes. You'll hear that. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, this is where I bet the game early in the week. I got the line when it was at 7.5. So I got the Vikings getting 7.5 points. I'll say this much, though. If for some reason the line craters even more and it goes to Bills minus 3 or Bills minus 2.5, I might start taking some action on the Buffalo Bills to win the game because I I still think they're going to put up points even against the Minnesota Vikings. And I also got a teaser bet. I am teasing up the Seattle Seahawks from plus 2.5 to plus 8.5, and and I am teasing down the New York football Giants from minus 6.5 to pretty much a pick against the Houston Texans. So those are my best bets this week. The unofficial official sports book of the podcast is the DraftKings Sportsbook. Be sure to sign up and place your bets with those guys. They have been fantastic. The app is easy to use. Any uh, any college action that you got going on this week? Right now for college, I the only action I got that's probably going to change come Thursday. Uh, but right now the action I got is I have Ole Miss. Getting 11 and a half points at home against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Holy crap. You, yeah, I mean, we saw that that stellar game against LSU in Death Valley. Uh, for some reason, Jay, I don't know, you know, maybe you can shed some more light on this, being the college guru that you are. Why is it that Alabama, for some reason, does not travel well? Uh, I, I mean, we saw it against Texas. They honestly should have lost that game if Quinn Ewers was healthy that whole time. They lost against LSU. They lost against Tennessee. I think I think that Ole Miss is a very live dog in this matchup in Ole Miss. So, I mean, talk to me. What well, is going on with Alabama? Well, at the end of the day, like, think about these major programs like Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, right? They generally don't play that many road games. They, they play... 
let's say, eight um, in-conference games. Of those eight in-conference, you're going to be four on the road, four at home. And then you're going to have four non-conference games, uh, which are usually at home because Alabama is not going to travel for the most part, right? So what happens is, like, you'll have any given year, you'll have Michigan playing eight games at home and playing four games on the road. And of those four games, like, you're playing, like, two somewhat hostile environments. So, like, you're not really battle-tested until you get to LSU in late October and then, like, holy crap, like... uh, this is, this is a lot for us to handle. And even when they go play in the playoff games, those games at neutral sites are not away games. They're split 50-50. And generally speaking, when the when the you know the the Bamas or the Michigans or the Ohio State of the world travel, they're like the Cowboy fans. You go to these neutral site games and it's basically all of their fans. So it's rare to see um, you know big dogs like that travel. And when they do travel, they generally do have a, a tough time getting up and going. I mean, I was at that Ohio State-Penn State game um, uh, just last week, and I couldn't tell the boys were rattled until about third quarter, fourth quarter. And luckily, that's when they broke free. But, I mean, that simple, the way the schedule is set up in college football, it just comes down to not being tested enough on the road. Fair enough. Uh, another college bet that I'm kind of looking at here is uh, the over-under in the North Carolina game. I'm trying to find who their opponent is, but when I looked, when I looked last night, it was, uh, it was 76 and a half for the over-under. North Carolina cannot stop a runny nose. Let me just try to find this and see. North Carolina. I forget who they're playing. I think it's an AC. Is it Wake Forest? AC... I think, you know what? You're right. It is Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So when I looked last, the over-under was like 76 and a half. I mean, uh, you know, Drake May. Well, Jay, Demon, is he eligible for the draft? The Demon Deacons are pretty good too, six and three. You know what I'm saying? Right, but like the D, I, I think that I think that this game is going to sail over seventy six and a half, just because North Carolina can put up points, but they can't stop a runny nose. And, and you know, Wake Forest, you know, their quarterback has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Drake. You know, they, yeah. they, they uh, Wake Forest, they laid it against Louisville, you know, coming out of halftime two weeks ago where they short-circuited. I think they had, like, damn near eight turnovers in that game. They also let me down last week. Uh, but I definitely think the over-under is live in this matchup. So I'm leaning towards the over in 76-and-a-half. I have not made that an official play, but right now the only official action I have is Ole Miss getting 11-and-a-half points at home. Yeah, so I mean Drake May, he's he what he's only a uh, rusher freshman, right? Was he sophomore or rusher freshman? What is he? He's still young. He's not he's not going to be able to go to draft right in the year, year and a half, two years, depending on what his senior what his status is right now. But everything so far out of that kid, I like man. I like his size. Um, he's like what six four, maybe six four and a half. Mm-hmm. He's gonna grow into that body. He's gonna put some weight on. His arm is is obviously above average to great on some of the throws that I've seen. And he's only gonna get better, especially under a Mac Brown who who's been able to develop some really good. Um, uh, talent at Texas. He developed Vince Young and Cole McCord and all those great quarterbacks out of that system. I, I think this kid's future is going to be very, very good. Yep. And hell, I think I think North Carolina could potentially win the ACC mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if they. I don't know if they have to run the table, but they're they're live because Clemson laid an egg against Notre Dame. Uh-huh. So yep. give me give me North Carolina here, but. Uh, I mean, Jay, their, I, their remaining schedule is you've got, obviously, the Demon Deacons this week. Uh, you've got uh, Georgia Tech, who's trash. And then they've got NC State, which is their at-home rival. Besides the NC State game, I would favor them in both the other two games. Um, and there's a good chance they could be they could win the ACC championship. Yep. And real quick, Jay, just for college, uh, you know, round up the college talk here. 
Looking at 7.30 in primetime, you have TCU going to Austin against the University mm-hmm. of Texas and, mm-hmm. uh, and Quinn Ewers and that magnificent mullet here. Mm-hmm. TCU is getting seven points on the road. I take, I, I take, Do uh, you think TCU is a live dog to win in Austin? Uh, I would take Texas here. I really would with those points. You would take them to win? I would take... I wouldn't go as far as take Texas to win, but that with those seven points, I wait a minute. Is TCU underdogs? TCU is the underdog. They're wow. getting the seven points. Oh, well then I would take TCU. I I I wish. Are you serious? The number four yeah. squad going into Texas is an underdog. Yep. So TCU, they're getting seven points oh minus one ten odds, and the money line is plus two twenty five. Wow. That's I might put a little yeah, couple a would, couple of shekels would, on TCU would, to win TCU, outright. Yeah, I would take TCU because I don't understand how they're an underdog going into Texas. I'm listening. There's no bigger fan of Quinn Ewers than I am here. Um, but TCU right now is playing some good football. Um, they've got a good team. I I I don't see how that's possible. I would I would put money on TCU, man. Like I I know Texas is going to keep this close. It's going to be a three to five point game, but it's there's no way I think Texas is going to win this game, man. Is it me or is, is TCU kind of have like the harder road to getting to the inside of like the, the college playoff to number four? I, I feel like they've played a lot harder games both at home and on the road. Am yeah, I, am I they, making that? Yeah, they're, they're, they're battle tested and they still don't get that um, that love and adulation because they're in the Big Twelve. Like, I mean, if you were undefeated in the in the in the Big Ten, you're obviously up there. You're obviously up there if you're in the SEC undefeated. But like the Big Twelve itself still has that stigma where like they don't play any defense. They still air it out. And I think that's what's happening with TCU. Now they've played some really good teams. They've been obviously Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas State. They beat Kansas Jayhawks in that game. So I, I'm I'm surprised to see what TCU is gonna do because they still got Baylor and Iowa State left. But there's a chance that somehow TCU could sneak into the freaking college playoffs. Now the only issue is the Big Twelve. Do they still have a championship game or no? I forgot they do or not. But that's, I think they do. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's part of it as well. But I, could you imagine if TCU gets into the college playoffs? Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. Dude, All that, those Bama fans pissed off because a undefeated TCU out of the Big Twelve gets in over a two loss Bama team. Oh, could you imagine that? Hell yeah. Oh, hey, I'm here for it. Expand. I'm here for all the chaos. Expand the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I really want to happen, and this will never happen, but once in my lifetime, I would love to see Ohio State and Michigan play in the playoffs. Um, the only way it can Jay, ha- you might get that. I mean, the only way that can happen this year is if, if Ohio State or Michigan is the one seed, right? And then mm-hmm. the other team that lost the Ohio State Michigan game in two or three weeks from now. It gets in at the fourth seed. That's the only way that can happen. You feel me? Like, and I don't know at that point if you're gonna take a one loss uh, Ohio State or one loss Michigan over a two loss Bama. You feel me? Just because that mm. SEC bias is gonna win out with Bama, and they've got so much like power and money and all that bullshit. True. But yeah, could you imagine in the playoffs? Oof, I'd love that. That'd be fantastic. I'd love that. Um. Okay, man. Well, that's all I got, man. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. So, this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube under Pro Football Radio Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to hit the little bell button on the YouTube feed. That way you get notified when we drop a new video in the YouTube page. Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Uh, Social media, Facebook, Instagram, available at Pro Football Radio Podcast. Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. 
I'm on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. The captain of the ship, Jay Chima, is available on Twitter at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on the social media platforms, and we will chat with y'all next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, Condios, as you would say. Bye, <laughs> Condios. <laughs>